Morning all from our living room. Um, it's uh, welcome to our service this morning. Uh, I'm Sarah, one of the support leaders at Ebby, um, and we're starting a new series this morning on living the lifestyle of Jesus. It's just a three-week series, um, but we're looking at actually how can we live the life that Jesus has made available to us. We're living in a really weird world at the moment. Things are really strange, things are all different, um, and it's also different for each of us. My new reality is not the same as your new reality, um, but we can all support each other in this. But I think one thing that this has really shown me is that this is time that we can um, look at our priorities ourselves, our priorities from where our life has been, what we've been doing in the past, um, and our priorities as to how we actually would like things to go forwards from here on. Um, due to a high temperature at the tail end of last week, I've actually had to sit down and do very little this last week. Um, I've had to stop. I've had to rest. I've dozed quite a bit. I've enjoyed the sunshine. Um, I've had time to read and that's been really good and really healthy, healthy for me. Um, I'm also aware that for other people, they've not had any time to re rest. They've not had any time alone. They've not had any time with people. And that works both ways. Um, when we look in the Bible, Jesus said um, in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So what we're going to look at this morning is actually having that life of Jesus, that full, everlasting quality of life. But the thing is, to get that kind of life, we actually need to look at his lifestyle and live his lifestyle. Matthew 11 is a very, very well-known couple of verses. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I suppose the question this morning is, are you feeling burdened? Do you need Jesus' rest? Are you weary? And I think for a lot of us, um, if we go back a month and a half, probably a lot of us would have actually answered yes to those questions. For some of us, that will actually be slightly worse at the moment. And for some of us, that will be slightly better at the moment. But actually, this is not the normal forever. We need to look, and we've got an opportunity at this stage, to look forwards and say, actually, what is going to be our new normal? We see it says here about a yoke. Now, a yoke is something which oxen used to have to tie them together so they would work and work together to plough a field. But the other use of the word yoke, which is what Jesus was talking about, was actually what they always said about a rabbi, a teacher in Jesus' day. And that would be... Um, it actually meant their teaching, their way forwards, their lifestyle. And when you followed a rabbi, you picked up their yoke. Um, you became their apprentice. And when we look in the Bible, we see what that meant for Jesus' disciples. It meant actually becoming his apprentice meant walking with him, going with him places, doing what he would have done if he were them. All those sorts of things, becoming like him. And 
it wasn't really strange that Jesus had a yoke. It was strange that it was easy because that was very different from the others around him, from the other rabbis around him. It was a yoke that didn't lay burdens on people. Um, and I think sometimes we can look at it and go, oh, yes, but taking a yoke is something that the most spiritual people do. Those that have got the time, those that have retired, those that don't have this, that or the other responsibility that I've got or that you've got. Um, and yet actually what we see here is that Jesus is saying, no, this is for those that are worn out. This is the, those that are burdened. This yoke, this teaching is to make life easier. And that's something that we don't tend to think about it in that way. We think about it as being something to make life harder. And for most of the rabbis of Jesus' day, that would have been the case. But Jesus actually says, no, this yoke is to make life easier. It's completely radical, completely different. The trouble is, we look at that and realise that actually it means change. And change can be really difficult. We don't like change, most of us. And for most of us, we make little changes, but then we go back because our habits take us back. And it's really difficult to make a big change at one go. What's easier is to actually make little changes. And so where you've got something where we're going in this direction, if we make a little change at the beginning, over time, we land up somewhere very, very different rather than making a really big change all at one go, where we nearly always go straight back to where we started. Um, another version of the Bible, one that's uh, written by N.T. Wright, the Bible for everyone, says, are you having a real struggle? Come to me. Are you carrying a big load on your back? Come to me. I'll give you rest. Pick up my yoke and put it on. Take lessons from me. My heart is gentle, not arrogant. You'll find the rest you deeply need. My yoke is easy to wear and my load is easy to bear. It's quite a lovely way of putting it. And we sometimes think that actually it's all about having a break. But this isn't. Taking up Jesus' yoke is actually not about having a break to get over the work that we've been doing. It's actually about a completely new lifestyle. It's a change of our thought processes. It's a change of the way that we do things. And he says, and he promises, it's going to be easy, much easier than living life under the burden that we're living under at the moment. Um, and I think we really don't understand the, the way yoke. <laughs> we certainly live in an urban environment. We don't see um, animals out there ploughing. And even if we lived in the countryside in this country, we would see tractors ploughing, not yoke, yoke oxen. So maybe a better picture or a slightly different one is a trellis. But it's kind of like an active trellis, not just the one that you get in the garden, um, not just the one that sits there and does nothing. This is actually us doing something. But the thing is, a trellis is a structure around which growth can occur. Um, so this is, is the trellis in our back garden. Um, at one end of it, we haven't actually got any plants growing up it at the moment. But it's a trellis. It's there. It's able to support growth. And at different seasons in life, it, that trellis looks different. 
partly because it's got growth up it like this one has at the moment um, and partly because we're just in a different season of life. Those structures that we put in place to help our growth change with time. Um, the trellis for us might look different from our neighbour, from our friend, but actually we can pinch ideas off each other as well. And the thing is here, we've actually got a part of the trellis that's actually broken. It was put in place, but it's not quite working right just up here. And yet that is still working as a trellis. Um, it still helps growth. The things that we tend to think of in terms of spiritual growth and growing as to be like Jesus, things like prayer and solitude and secrecy and Sabbath and fasting and giving and Bible reading. Now, classically, these have been called the spiritual disciplines, um, but we tend to think of that as being something very oppressive. But actually, it is much more like the trellis, where those things are the things that help us to grow. They're apprenticeship tools there to help us to grow. Um, John Mark Comer says, are you ready to arrange or rearrange your days so that Jesus's life becomes your new normal? And actually, I think that's an important question for us to ask. Are we actually ready to actually change things so that Jesus life is what becomes our new normal? If we add his teachings to our normal lives, we just become overburdened. If we try and take his yoke, his trellis, his structure on top of everything at the moment, we're just going to become completely squashed by it all. And I think that's something that I know in the past I've tried to do and just add in a bit more time reading the Bible or times of prayer or meeting up with people or various different things. And it's just gone on top of what's my normal. And that's not actually very healthy. It just squashes me. Um, and again, John Mark Homer says, an easy life isn't an option. And if we're honest, we know that. But an easy yoke is an option. And it's an option that we need to choose. It's not just going to be put upon us. The message version of the same passage says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So, again, it's a beautiful way of looking at it. And if we live life in Jesus' way, we will actually find rest for our souls. So I suppose the next question is, how did Jesus live? Um, and I think when we look through the Gospels, um, we see that he was constantly in touch with his father. We see so much, so much time was spent in prayer, um, alone with his father, in relationship with his father, with God. And that is something that we'll be talking about in a couple of weeks time um, in a bit more detail. We also see that Jesus had margin. He had space. Um, he lived a very, very busy life and yet he was never actually hurried. Um, margin has been defined 
as the space between our load and our limits. We don't live at 80% with space to breathe. We tend to live at 100%. And when I read that, I really thought, yeah, that's me. Um, I live life at 100% and then wonder why, if anything else gets loaded on me, I then feel like I'm going to break. And it's because I haven't got any space in my life. And over the last year or so, I have been trying to look at actually where can I put space in my life? Where can I build that margin into my life? Um, and this last few weeks, I've really had to look at that in a bit more of a, a serious way, partly because I haven't had any option not to look at it. Whereas before it was easy to go, oh, I haven't got time to look at that. I haven't got time to work out how to do that. But at the moment, I have got that time. If I'm brutally honest, I have got that time. I can look at it. I can think about those things. And the thing is, when we see Jesus in the Gospels, he had, yeah, a very busy life. But he also had space to be interrupted. The thing is, when we get interrupted, we often get irritable. We get short. We get annoyed. We don't give our best to people. And we never, ever see Jesus doing that. You know, we don't ever see a stressed out Jesus snapping at Mary Magdalene after a long day and just saying, I can't believe you dropped the hummus, sighing and then going, oh, I need a glass of wine. It just it it doesn't happen. And yet, actually, we see that as being not an unreasonable response to something. But that's only what happens when we've got no space, when we've got no margin. I think another thing that I've really noticed in looking through the Gospels at this is that Jesus didn't see his time as his own. He didn't see that this is my time and I'm going to use it the way I want to. He says, I only do what I see the Father doing. He was prepared to be open, to listen to what God was saying. And the thing is, if we see our time as being ours, then when it gets taken from us, we get irritated. We feel it's been stolen from us. We've lost something. If we see our time as not being ours in the first place, but being God's in the first place, then actually that's not time that's been stolen from us. The thing is, we sometimes go, oh, I just need more time. Thing is, you know, I can come up with a list of 100 things I would do with more time. And I have to admit, I am doing some of those at the moment. Um, but we would just fill it with other stuff. We want to dictate what we're going to do with our own time. It becomes our precious. It becomes our idol. And that's never healthy. When we look at Jesus, just in the chapters of Matthew 8 and 9, if you've got time this week, it's worth looking at. Matthew 8 verse 2, Jesus was going along and someone came along to him. So he healed this leper. 8 verse 5, a centurion came to him asking him to heal his servant. 8 verses 14 to 17, Peter's mother-in-law and others on the same day. They were all interruptions. Then we go to 8 28. Um, Jesus went to the other side of the lake to get some space. And the guy who had um, evil spirits interrupted him. He healed him. He treated him with love or treated them with love. In Matthew 9, we see that Jairus actually interrupts him as he's going along and asks him to come and heal his daughter. Jesus goes with him and as he's on his way, another woman interrupts him. 
And Jesus loves her and treats her as an individual and as precious to him. And what we see is that absolutely everything Jesus did came from love. The way he treated people always came out of a heart of love. Can I say that? Not always, no, if I'm honest. The thing is, love is never, ever hurried. You cannot love someone in a hurry. Jesus loved everyone and he always loves us. So we're kind of looking, you know, looking at this in a, a very weird world in many ways. Just the fact that I'm actually talking here to a camera and I can't see your faces. I can't see your response. I find that weird. We're isolated. We're a bit more separated and we've been forced to slow down. Now, we can see some of the advantages of that. You know, some of the stuff I've been looking at is really given us opportunities to do that because we've been forced to slow down. But the thing is, not everybody has been. Those who are working in hospitals, those who are working in deliveries, those who are working in shops and retail, many will be working and working harder and under increased pressures. I'm aware of that. So, you know, cut yourself some slack. You can't do everything. Um, we've been forced away from some people. We've been forced together with some others. Um, you know, and actually those both have pressures about it. And it's OK to be real about that. Um, we might have had to have taken on roles that we feel completely unsuited for. Um, whether that's a change in role at work or whether that's suddenly becoming a homeschool tutor. Uh, for your children. All of those things are very, very different. Some people have much more time available, some have less time available, some have less contact with people, others are finding renewed contract, uh, con connections. And, you know, I know that I've had uh, Zoom chats with some friends that I haven't actually spoken to for a couple of years, some of them. Um, and yet, yeah, we've had a few text messages and what have you between, but actually we've had time to sit and have an hour long chat. And that's been lovely and been really good to reconnect. For some people, there are severe worries about money, about health, about family, about people that are living in other parts of the country or the world. Um, and all of those things are an extra thing. And we've got to be aware of all those things and be honest about those things. But that shouldn't stop us from actually having five minutes here and five minutes there to actually look at what do we want life to look like after this. For me, I know that some of this stuff is actually showing up what my priorities have been. Um, and actually, what do I want my priorities to be? I've written in my journal about that. And, you know, I've then thought, okay, I want to put God first. And I thought, no, actually, that's not right. And that might come as a big surprise um, to you. But actually, what I don't want is for God to be first and everything else sort of trailing after it, because I've then got to try and work out where that all fits in. What I want is for God to be my priority through and in everything I'm doing. So that as I'm living my life, God is there with me in it and guiding me and showing me the way to go forwards, the way to be more loving, 
the way to live life under his yoke, the way to sort these things in a way that works, the way that is going to allow me to grow, to put those things of a, a trellis in place so that actually my life will grow and flourish and that will bless others. And this part of me feels like this time at the moment is kind of like pressing the reset button on my life. You know, how is life going to be afterwards? How am I going to make sure that God is in the middle of what everything I do? How am I going to make sure that I don't allow other people's urgent to become my urgent? And, you know, I have time now and we ha many of us have time now to actually make that decision of when life gets back to a bit more of a normal pattern, what do I want that normal pattern to look like? And I know I will fall back into some of my normal patterns, my regular patterns. But actually, I want to be aware of that so that I can make regular little adjustments. And those regular little adjustments will mean that actually I grow in a different way. I grow in a more healthy way. John Mark Homer again says, will you radically alter the pace of your life to take up the easy yoke of Jesus? And when you fail, begin again, but this time slowly. And that's been a real challenge to me. Um, I read his book, Radical Elimination of Hurry, for a book group um, over Christmas. Um, and I read it twice. Chris jokes that I had to read it twice because I'd read it in a hurry the first time round possibly true but actually it's it made me really think that phrase of will I radically alter the pace of my life to take up the easy yoke of Jesus and when I fail will I begin again but this time slowly with margin with space so over the next two weeks we're going to be looking at how Jesus used time and how he used space and margin in his life so I have a few questions or a few suggestions. Um, possibly spend some time looking at Jesus' life. I actually read through the four Gospels, skim reading, um, quite quickly, just looking at how many times he was interrupted, looking at how many times he went away from the busyness of life. It's amazing how many times he did that. But if you don't have time to do that, Look at um, just Matthew 8 and Matthew 9. Look at your own normal life. Life before coronavirus. Life before lockdown. Whatever you want to call it. Um, actually, really be pleased at the stuff that is really good and is helping you to grow. But be aware of the stuff that actually is stunting growth and is stopping you growing. And then ask Jesus, you know, what trellis, what structure do I need to help me grow? How will my life be structured from here on in? What particular things do I need? What bits of trellis do I need? And also, how will I keep that accountable? Um, I'm going to, and I'm going to suggest others do as well, actually potentially get a card or... Um, Start writing a letter to someone, actually asking them to keep you accountable on a specific date. 
asked them to check up with you after about four weeks, eight weeks, whatever. But make the changes that you're putting down and suggesting sort of measurable so you can kind of go, yeah, I have done that. Or no, I haven't managed that. And don't beat yourself up when things don't go according to plan. Because that's, that's life. We know that at times. But reassess and start again. And that may mean on the same thing or it may mean a slightly altered goal. But the thing is, don't forget that the trellis, the structure, the goals is there to help growth. It's not an end in its own right. Those bits of trellis that are at the bottom of our garden are not very attractive in their own right. But they help our clematis to grow really nicely. And it means that it grows up and it doesn't just grow in a flopped heap on the floor. The trellis is there to help growth. It's not there as an end in itself. So as we look forwards to another week, um, treat this as an opportunity to actually look back and look forwards at where you'd like to go and what you'd like to be doing. Thank you.